Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal, bringing 379,000 readers the latest farming news and the best of rural Ireland weekly. Let us start, though, with the polycrisis and its impact on food and farming. War in Ukraine has created opportunities just as much as it has created casualties. And this was a point proven when Chagas published its economic outlook for next year with all of the data on what farmers had earned in the last year that came this week. Rarely was there a more uneven story to be told. Some are riding higher than ever. Others are being forced to the wall. Well, we're going to be talking to Chagask's chief economist in a moment. But I want to begin with the people behind those numbers, those data points. And to get those this week, I travelled to a dairy farm and a pig farm. Worst year ever? It's been the worst year in 40 years of records. There's a touch of Charles Dickens to what's happened to farm incomes this year. Best ever year? Financially, I'd say, yeah. Best of times, worst of times. So how would you describe the last year? Financially brutal. It's been an endurance test like no other. That's Gareth Murray. He produces 320 pigs a week from his farm in the Screen Valley in Meath. And this is Tom Corcoran. He milks 95 cows near Ballyhale in Kilkenny. Their experiences of 2022 were at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So, are you still milking now or are you dried off? We're dried off since uh, the 1st of December, you could say. We, we normally take a break from it. Gives you a good opportunity to sit back and look back on the year, though, doesn't it? Has it been a bumper year? Uh, it's been a good year. I mean, I suppose bank balances are better, you know. Like, the weather wouldn't have been the best year ever, but I'd say, you know, what's, what we made out of the year probably would have been, you know. There have been lean years for Tom in 41 years of milking cows, but on the whole, it has been a story of consistent growth without extreme highs and lows. You know, when I would have started farming back in uh, 1980 or 81, the scale would have been very small, so they wouldn't have been making the money then. But you were just staying, you know, you were just getting a little bit better every year. So it was always profitable is what you're saying. I think so yeah I would say so yeah. Just not very profitable. And you know we we would watch our costs here you know we mightn't have the highest yielding cows but we we probably would be very low on costs. The average dairy income was €148,000 this year. Now contrast that with how much the average pig farm lost this year. Four hundred and twenty thousand euro. Gareth Murray has watched his brother sell up and get out of pig production this year, and he has had a pretty brutal year himself. And it's certainly, without doubt, the worst year that I've ever had to try and make a living at pig farming. In I started in two thousand fifteen on my own, and it's by far the worst year I've ever had to endure. Feed costs is about seventy percent of our total cost, and. Feed has risen 40 to 50% in the last 12 months. Uh, by the 120 euro a tonne is a difference of 438,000 euro extra I've had to find in feed cost. Nearly a half a million just to keep your head feed, above water. Just to feed the pigs. That's the Look at that. That's a mean-looking machine with three kittens sitting on top of it. This is obviously the warmest place in the farm at the moment, is it? It is, and it's actually... 
preheated, it's constantly preheated. Earlier, when he was showing me the generator room, Gareth also told me about his electricity bill. Uh-huh. You just put your hand on it, you feel it's actually warm to the touch. Um, so, what's happened to your electricity bill this year? Uh, normally it was four and a half to five thousand euro a month. It's now ten thousand a month. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, oh my gosh. So, how do you weather that? Difficulty. Difficulty. Um, Um, look at this, the way I see it is a couple of people you can't not pay and the electric is one of them so it's, it's a high priority in terms of every month when that bill comes in. On the whole it seems that it's a combination of debt and a lack of other options that has kept Gareth in business throughout 2022. The Ukrainian war definitely added 100 euros a tonne to the grain price and then the fact that the grain couldn't be shipped out of Ukraine and the Black Sea area, um, gotten grain markets extremely nervous and the price of grain spiked severely because of that uh, anticipated shortage of grain not getting to market. What keeps you going when it gets like that, Gareth? What makes you think this is actually worth persisting with? Um, well, first of all, it's my only line of income. I don't have any other business to fall back on. Other farmers might possibly have a second business or a second line of income. This is my only one. The other thing, um, I have loans, bank loans, and it's you just don't stop. You have to meet your loans, so that keeps me going. There's at least 15,000 less sows in Ireland than there were at the start of the year, with so many farmers destocking or culling completely. Reduced supply will, in Garrett's calculation, lead to better prices in 2023. Or at least, that's the thought that's keeping him going right now. January now will be at the start of a substantial upturn in the market, and it's mainly because the last... 18 months have been so financially brutal that it has forced a lot of pig farmers to stop and get out. That's going to create a physical shortage of pork. The culling and the exodus from the industry started first, second quarter of this year. Move forward 10 months to those pigs being grown out of the system and not being here. That pretty much takes you the whole way through 2023 of not enough pork. The uncomfortable truth behind any anticipated price increase is it comes off the back of people like his brother being forced out of business. Meanwhile, back in Kilkenny at the end of his bumper year, Tom turns his attention to the year ahead. He isn't unduly phased by the prospect of reducing his herd to comply with the nitrates action plan milk quota is now gone, it's effectively going to be replaced by a manure quota. Uh, it's going to bite everyone really, yeah. It will bite me too, yeah. Obviously I'll, I'll have to cut back a little. Maybe, uh, I was saying maybe 5 or 6%, that'd be 5 or 6 cows for me. Not unduly phased by banding, as I say, but completely unprompted by me, Tom shares that one of his biggest long-term worries for the farm is actually climate change. We had we had concerns, all right, uh, yeah, but locally, it, 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 its big impact now is, is on the climate, you know. So that's that's the big issue now. Tom's well has come close two years in the last four to drying up during periods of extended drought. The, the well on the farm here, um, this year gone, it uh, it really more or less gave up, you know, and that surprised me a bit, you know. 
Uh, we had a dry winter, I suppose, and came into the spring, and then the summer wasn't awful wet. It got wet now in the last two months, but uh, up to then it was a dry year, and and the groundwater actually, you know, it never went as low anyway. So that's a worry, yeah, that's a worry. Mm. Do you see then climate as being one of those things that could negatively impact, not necessarily in the next yeah. two or three years, but over the next 10, 20 years if your oh, sons yeah, take over yeah, here? Well, I mean, I mean, the scientists can't all be wrong. You know, they're all telling us that there is climate change, even though when you go to farmers' meetings, sometimes some lads would just shake their head. They're not, you know, that's not, you know, it is, they saw dry years, years back and all the rest. But mm. uh, I, I, I think we have to, we have to address it to some degree, you know, because we're only uh, making uh, pariahs out of ourselves or whatever if we don't. Uh, or a rod to beat your back if yeah, it ends up damaging it. the business. Yeah, yeah, and sure, look, nobody wants to leave the planet worse for the next generation either. You know, and farmers don't either, you know. It's going to be a hell of a battle. What's your attitude to that? Get out in front of it so that you're not shocked by well, I it? Well, I think we should be doing a bit. I think we should be seen to be doing a bit as farmers. The first thing people will say to you at farmers' meetings is the aeroplanes flying over and all the rest. But, you know, if somebody else jumps into the fire, are you going to jump in with them? We have to do a bit, I think. Tom Corcoran in Ballyhale in Kilkenny. And listening to that was Chagask's chief economist, Kevin Hanrahan, who's in our Galway studio now. Good morning to you, Kevin. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you and all your listeners, Philip. Um, would you take us through the bigger picture here, the rest of the farm incomes, please, sector by sector? Dairy, beef, tilled sheep, poultry, pigs. Well, we have, uh, we don't, we're, we're trying to move away at the moment from talking about farm incomes on average because they're just not, the average of the farms doesn't really tell a story Um I think as your piece illustrated, the, there are farms that are doing very well, uh, or did very well last year, or this year, dairy farms and tillage farms in particular. And then there are farms that, um, uh, the majority of farms, in fact, dry stock farms, whether that's cattle and sheep farms, that that didn't see any big improvement or disimprovement, but unfortunately have incomes that are small fractions of the incomes being earned on the average dairy farm. So the average of all farms ends up being in the middle where there's not very many farms at all. So we have a we have a basically what a statistician would call a bimodal income distribution in um, in agriculture. A small number, relatively small number of farms earning um, incomes that are on a par with those earned in the better parts of the economy in terms of income earnings. And then uh, the majority of farms earning quite low levels of income from farming and having to, in 21st century Ireland, work off of the farm. Mm. The span there is from €9,000 in the beef sector to, as we said, 148000 in the dairy sector. So the average farm is is a pretty meaningless figure from now on, isn't it? It is, yeah. So what what we're increasingly focusing on and when we tell our stories about what's happening on farms in Ireland is to do it system by system. So we have the average dairy farm income. That's not that every farmer is earning that amount of money. Some are earning a lot more, but some are earning a lot less. And on the beef farms, you know, 9,000 for the cattle rearing farms, those are the suckler farms on average. There are farms that are below average size and there are, of course, also farms that are larger than average. So you need to, you know, in in our publications, we try to talk a little bit about the distribution. Sometimes that's hard to get across, but, um, you know, there are big differences, systematic differences between the different types of enterprises that are out there. Gareth's instinct was that pig prices were going to get better due to global shortage. Tom felt that, all things being equal with uh, this year, that in 2023 he'd be likely to see milk pulling back a little bit. Would you agree? What's your prognosis for 2023? 
I think prognosis for 23 is that we will see uh, incomes on dairy farms decline. Um, and that is because of, as Tom uh, kind of said that uh, to you, that they expected his milk price to come back. And to be honest, uh, it seems unless we have another uh, another supply shock globally that uh, it's hard to see it going any other way. I mean, as we speak now, the Irish farm gate milk price is the highest in Europe and that's on the be- on the back of the kind of product mix we produce in Ireland, which is heavily weighted towards butter and butter prices, butter markets are very, very tight globally. And that's what's driving that that milk price that Irish farmers get. Mm-hmm. That's better than any other in, in the European Union, really. And I think next year, we will start to see extra supply globally come onto that uh, butterfat market. Um, hopefully, we'll see oilseed uh, markets also kind of go back towards normal. And that vegetable fat, dairy fat dynamic is also important to understand. It's one of the things that's kept fat prices up this year, butter prices up that their competing fat, vegetable fat, uh, was in short supply because uh, the Ukraine were not able to, sh- to ship out normal volumes of sunflower seeds and sunflower seed meal and oil. So um, I think milk prices will come back. That will reduce farm incomes on dairy farms on average um, by maybe 15%, but they will not drop back to where they were the year before this year. So they'll still be close to mm. record level, high levels of income. and. On cattle farms, um, we think that prices are going to improve a little bit, ditto on pig meat uh, markets, and that will provide some um, relief for for farmers like Gareth. Um, We don't expect it's going to change an awful lot uh, in terms of the average farm income earned by those 90,000 or so beef farmers out there. You've obviously been concentrating on a forecast for the 12 months ahead for 2023. Mm. But when you listen to people like Tom talking, they're thinking in a multi-generational time frame. Uh, And he is particularly worried about the impact of climate change. Have you, have economists elsewhere, done any modelling on what climate change is likely to mean in each of these sectors of agriculture? Well, I think uh, most of the time we we have, to date at least, in Ireland been talking about what climate change policy might mean for farmers in Ireland, as opposed to what climate change, the actual process, will mean in terms of um, what farmers will need to do to adapt to um, to a changed climate. Um, so most of our, our, our work has, has gone on the, on the former kind of topic, but it, for certain, as just as Tom was saying, farmers are starting to see, we're seeing out there uh, increased frequency, seemingly increased frequency of of, um, of of dry summers. And when you've got a grass-based system like we have, like Tom has, low-cost grass-based system, and there's not enough water for the grass to grow and for the cows to basically drink and produce milk, that, that causes a problem. I mean, one of the things to think about, I guess, is um, if we're having problems in, in Ireland, say in the southeast in County Kilkenny, in terms of water availability, and that's caused by global or climate change in, in northwestern Europe. Um, some of the other places in northwestern Europe that produce milk off of grass and off of house systems are going to be in a as bad, if not a worse, position. And unfortunately, one of the things that will happen if that is the world we find ourselves living in is that markets will adjust and almost certainly the price of milk will go up. So it might be uh, worthwhile, Tom, basically incurring higher costs to get extra water into his farm. So it's... We, need to, we definitely need to start to think more about how, how farmers in Ireland will adapt to climate change. Um, it's something that we haven't spent probably enough time thinking about. And I think it's, uh, it's where the economics and the climate science uh, has to come together a little bit more. One of the other things that keeps on coming up in the conversation at the moment is that farmers believe the government is going to be looking to use the single farm payment as leverage to secure, secure compliance with environmental and climate measures. 
Going back to the incomes, how important are the payments and the scheme payments in each of those sectors to farmers' income? I mean, what I'm getting at here is, can dairy farmers afford to take a hit to payments instead of reducing stock? Uh, Yeah, short answer is yes. I mean, direct payments of all sorts, so that's pillar one and pillar two payments on the dairy farmer is, depends on on, on how good a year they make uh, in terms of the milk price, but it's 20% or less uh, of their total income and average is is from um, direct mm. payments. So on the face of it, you'd imagine that there's less leverage though there with those type of farmers as compared to other farmers, the, the dairy, the beef farmers, for example, where more than 100% of their income is from payments. So there's it's likely to be a mixture of, um, of regulatory uh, changes, such as the nitrates one you mentioned, um, as well as uh, targeted incentives. So, 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 uh, supports to uh, encourage farmers to to change how they farm, you know, in terms yeah. of adopting new technologies that mitigate climate change. I know you don't have a crystal ball in Chagask, and if we were having this conversation this time last year, Ukraine probably wouldn't have figured in it. But when you look at the range of things impacting now, COVID lockdown in China, war in Ukraine, grain shortage, energy crisis, cost of living crisis, and so on, what do you think is going to be the biggest single factor impacting farming in 2023? Yeah, Adam Tews and his poly crisis, right? Um, yeah. uh, I I think I, there's two things that I would I'd, I'd worry about. I think one is the demand side. Um, so we're an exporting nation, and most of our export our food exports go to countries like the European Union, the United Kingdom, and uh, for some commodities like the pig meat one from from Garrett's Farm uh, used to go to China a lot. Uh, so what happens to those economies is going to be very important. Uh, the UK looks well, looks like it's in a recession already. The European Eurozone may well tip into one. Uh, and so how much money consumers have to spend uh, and and what how that impacts on their demand for the type of products that we produce will be important. Um, the other one, I think, is, is not the climate change adaption, but the climate change policy. Um, you know, at some point uh, before the first carbon budget period runs out, um, the um, policy will start to have to change to reflect the the legal imperative of of having a plan for how we're going to meet the the the, the first budget period's uh, sectoral emission ceiling and the second ones, and that will, mm-hmm. I believe, in twenty three, start to actually be reflected. And I think there's a there's a climate action plan coming out Imminent. of the next cabinet meeting I'm, I'm told by civil servants so well, you, you know you know more than the rest of us then yeah. because it's been it's been imminent for quite a long time Indeed. but it might actually we might actually see it now next week Kevin Hanrahan Chagas chief economist thank you very much for talking to us this morning